Welcome to the Off Ramps podcast. I'm your host and co-founder of the Off Ramp, Kristen. We know what it's like to feel helpless when faced with the magnitude of the world's problems. You want to do something about it, but don't know how or where to start. Well, that's why we're here. At the Off Ramp, our goal is twofold. First, to keep you informed about the ongoings in immigration, migration, and global affairs. And second, to connect you with opportunities to make a real difference in the lives of forcibly displaced people both near and far. Practical and positive change is possible. Let's work together to make it happen. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Off-Ramps podcast. I'm really excited about this episode. We have a super special guest, hands down the coolest person we've interviewed thus far. With us is Alea, and she has really been a key component, a key person to the success of the Off-Ramp in 2021. But before I officially let her introduce herself, we kind of want to tell you how she got connected to the off-ramp. Mom, can you tell us a little bit about, well, Alea's mom and what Alea's mom does for the off-ramp and how we met Alea? Absolutely. I, I don't know what Syra would say about that first meeting, but I, I can still remember uh, my intimidation of sitting at a table of women in business who were there to network together and to sharpen each other and to help each other move forward. Um, It was an organization called Women Helping Women to Network. And um, I had joined the group at the invitation of somebody else and and Syra and her sister Sana were at the table. Um, And I just sat there in awe of the knowledge, the, the encouragement, the, the enthusiasm of all the women at this table. Threads by Nomad had not been in existence for very long. And this was definitely my very first time to sort of engage in that world. Uh, but I immediately hit it off with, with Syra. Um, and in fact, um, Syra Malik is, is, uh, is an optometrist. Um, she became my optometrist. But more than that, um, as we began to network together, I learned so much from Syra and Sana, her sister, and the other women in that group. Um, but the first time I met Alea, now Alea, you probably won't remember this. The first time I met her was when we had an evening networking group. And Alea had taken her, uh, some of the eyeglass cases from her mother's uh, boutique and decorated them. Do you remember this, Alea? You decorated them with rhinestones and uh, I can't remember what all you did. Tell me what you did, Alea. So I uh, used to decorate cases with stickers on them and then I would um, sell them to customers from my mom's office. And so I was one of those first customers. Alea came that evening to the networking group, presented her project, um, and it it was just so encouraging and so exciting to see this this young woman 
um, who says, hey, I want to move into this entrepreneurial world. Syra, over the years, has nurtured that in Alea. Um, I've been to some of the lemonade stands that she's had, et cetera. Um, but it was the beginning for me of being able to say, yes, I want to invest in this entrepreneurial spirit of, of this young woman. And um, yes, I should say as well that her mom, when we began the off-ramp, um, which began after Threads by Nomad, uh, Syra came to me and said, I want to be on this board. And uh, we couldn't have welcomed a better person to be a, a part of the off-ramp. And so that's how we came into relationship with Alea. And we're so excited. Yeah, I, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you in person yet. I hope that happens one day soon. But you cannot know how grateful I am for your your major contribution to the off-ramp in our work uh, this year. And that's really kind of what I want to talk to you about tonight. But first, I'd love for you to tell our audience, our listeners, a little bit more about yourself. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, uh, my name's Alea. I'm 12 years old. I speak Spanish and I... Learning Mandarin currently. That's very awesome. What we haven't told our listeners yet is that you recently hosted a very successful fundraiser for the off-ramp, right? Yeah. Will you, will you explain to our listeners what kind of fundraiser you did and how the idea came to you and maybe even why you wanted to do a fundraiser for the off-ramp? So, um... I figured out to do the, um, it was a fall pop-up shop, a pumpkin spice latte, and we had cookies and cupcakes there, and um, I wanted to do a pop-up shop for the off-ramp to donate money to because uh, I've always wanted to donate because um, my parents, they go lots of charity events and they host charity events, so I wanted to do one myself. And my mom is a part of the off-ramp, so that was a charity that I would like to donate to. Well, I was super jealous of all the people that got to go to your pop-up shop because it looks like you made really legit pumpkin spice lattes. I mean, I saw a picture. You put a lot of hard work and thought into that event. What what all went into the preparation? Like, what did you have to do? Who helped you? Or did you do it all alone? How many hours were you out there with setup and takedown? Tell me more about the event itself. So I was there for four hours and um, making lattes and selling cookies. And um, I went before the pop-up shop, I had to ask my dad if he knew anybody to um, donate some treats and stuff like cookies. And my dad's friend is a baker, so he donated some cookies for us. And we had to figure out what kind of lattes and all that stuff. I had to figure out how to make a latte. And um, yeah, that was preparation. I need to know this. Is it hard to make a pumpkin spice latte? It was easy when I began doing it. It was really fun for me. Yeah. 
Did you make a few bad ones first? Like, did you have to taste test them? Yes. Yeah. I, I feel like I would, I would be too nervous to make like one that didn't taste good. And then my customers would be disappointed, but you went into it feeling confident. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's pretty cool. So and let me just say that I had the great privilege of being there and you would never know that she was not a barista, right? I mean, <laughs> but it was, she was like, can I serve you this? Can I help you with this? Somebody ordered a latte. She was putting it together immediately. It was, it was beautiful. You know, I was so jealous that mom got to go. So in talking with your mom, Alea, I remember her mentioning the fact that when you ask her about supporting the off-ramp, um, she asked you, you know, what, what do you know about refugees? And uh, tell me, what kind of preparation did you do to understand a little bit better about the off-ramp and about the organization that your mom was involved with? So my mom, she showed me a whole website and I read all of it and uh, that made me understand the off-ramp organization much more. Do you remember anything that you learned in visiting our website or something that stood out to you? Um, one thing that stood out to me that was the off-ramp doesn't just give the money to the refugees. They help them start their life, own a business, yeah. skills and hobbies that they can push to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're all about, creating opportunities to thrive. Um, in fact, I just posted something on Instagram this morning that we are collaborating with a couple of refugee women in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they're learning to make stockings for us for our holiday line. But they had never used certain equipment that they needed to make these stockings. And so they're they're learning. So it's not just saying, here, go do this thing for us. And if they can't do it, then we go somewhere else. It's actually giving them the opportunity to learn that new skill, to perfect their skills. And so, yeah, it's not just about giving money. We really want to create opportunities to thrive and, and come alongside refugees and those who are displaced. And one of the things that's really important about that and that the off-ramp is committed to is something called asset-based reform. Um, you look at what has been brought to the table and instead of saying, oh, hey, let me just help you. You look at what everybody has to offer and you say, well, wait a minute, let me see what I can do to help you be the best that you can be right here. And meanwhile, you get to do something as well that helps me be the best that I can be. It's mutually transformative. And it's, it's a form of, of working in our communities that says we all have something to offer. We all have something to give. And together, if we pull our resources, um, we can make a difference. Um, I think, I think Alea has done a great example of showing that. Um, 12 years old, and she says, wait a minute, I've got something that I can offer. And meanwhile, you've got Syra, who, her mom, who's been involved with us on a variety of projects um, and has engaged other members of her community, all to say it's not just about the fact that, hey, this person has a need and I'm just going to give you know, money or whatever to help that. But wait a minute, that person also has something to offer. And, I, you know, Kristen, you and I have talked about 
listeners be looking in the future for a podcast about asset-based reform and what it means. Yeah, I love that that what you did, Alea, is not just go around and sort of raise funds. You used your entrepreneurial spirit. You used creativity. You used innovation. All of these things that are uniquely yours, that are talents that not everybody has. In fact, I think few people have them. You applied that to do something that was even more meaningful. And frankly, I think you were more successful for it. I want you to tell me about the success. Can you tell our listeners how much money you raised for the off-ramp that day in just four hours? We raised $1,100. She raised $1,100 in just four hours through the sale of fall drinks and beverages, cookies, and just putting her talents to use. What an amazing example you are to all of us, Alea, and I am so, so very grateful. Did Could you tell, like when you went into the event, were you worried that maybe people wouldn't show up or had you talked to enough people about it that you felt confident going into it? What was like, how, were you anxious that day? What did it feel like? I felt very nervous that, that no, not a lot of people would come and that I wouldn't even like get into the thousands of dollars. And I was anxious too like how if I still remembered how to make the lattes and if I like told enough people because but it turned out really good like I'm happy of what how much money we raised and how many people showed up you know I think that's another lesson for all of us too because we do a lot of events, whether it's, you know, putting our, our threads by nomad things for sale or fundraising events. We're planning a big giving Tuesday event right after Thanksgiving. And you know what? I've been doing this for a long time now. I get nervous too. I get nervous that we haven't told enough people or that I'll forget how to do this or that, you know, I just haven't prepared enough. And, and the fact that you pushed through that anxiety, that fear that, you know, of the unknown, which is totally normal. And that with just a little discomfort, really, really great things can happen. $1,100 is makes a massive impact to the off-ramp and to the people that we serve and work with. So I can't thank you enough. Can I just give a quick example here of just a very small impact that, that these funds will make? Um, one of the agencies or, or organizations that we're working with is sowing hope in Uganda. And so for a very small amount of money, really, I mean, really minuscule compared to what we would spend here in the United States. Refugee women are making um, Christmas decorations, right? Um, And those got shipped to us this week. And we will be able then to resell them. What for us is a couple of hundred dollars which frankly we might spend on a Christmas gift for them is impacting five to eight women in Uganda who are refugees and who are displaced. I find that so exciting that, you know, you think of what's a hundred dollars, what's $200, what's $20 for us. It might not seem like a lot, But for people who are in a situation of displacement, Alea, what you did had great impact. 
And we are so grateful. What was your favorite part of the whole thing? My favorite part were making the lattes and um, just I, I love the part where we I'd serve people and I love it because my friend from school, she came to help me for three hours and that really made me super happy. Yeah, that's really kind of her too. Did people ask you about the off-ramp at the event? Did they have questions about our work and did you tell that? What did you tell them about us? I would tell them about every the whole off-ramp and I would give them a little flyer for them to learn more about them. Yeah. You even, you designed some graphics for the event too, right? In, in marketing yeah. it, you actually designed some of the, the graphics that we posted. Did, do you like designing things like that? Yes. I like designing things. Yeah. You're really good. I was impressed with what you came up with. I see your t-shirt says, see the good in all things. Uh, I really, really like that t-shirt. Is, what does that mean to you? How do you try to see the good in all things? Um, I try to see the good in everybody and always find the glass is half full. I don't think I had as much awareness and as confident in my own ability to contribute in the way that you do. I, at your age, would have loved to have had advice from you. What would you, what advice would you share to other young people who want to give back in some way? Um, I would tell them that as a young entrepreneur like me, something very small can make a really big difference in the world. And, you know, that's part of the thing that um, that was the beginning of Threads by Nomad, the whole idea of so social entrepreneurship, the idea that you can be in business and business can make a difference. One of the things I loved about what Alea did is the fact that, okay, you can have a business like Threads by Nomad and that can be a, a social enterprise, but just your normal for-profit businesses can be engaged in such a way that they make a difference. You don't have to be just a nonprofit or just this. You can be a for-profit business and you can be making a difference for the people in the world who are marginalized, neglected, um, and maybe even completely ignored, such as people who are displaced or in danger of displacement. I love that type of partnership. I always end these podcasts on a hopefully uplifting note because, you know, sometimes we talk about this has been a fun conversation, the most fun conversation we've had. Uh, but sometimes we talk about tough things, uh, right? There, there are big things going on in the world that need our attention and our, and our contribution. But I always try to leave on an uplifting, inspirational note and to talk about what brings us hope. Now, before I ask you the question, I want to let you know, Alea, you bring me hope. Uh, when I, when, uh, you, you do, you have, and you continue to. The fact that someone who is your age would go out of her way and spend her free time and be anxious and nervous and, and try new things to give back to an organization who serves people you've never met. That to me is incredibly hope-filled. And, and I just, I cannot thank you enough for, for what you did for us and for the people that, that we work with and that we serve. But I'm curious to hear from you because I find you so inspiring. 
what brings you hope? What brings me hope is knowing that the money that I donated to the off ramp will get, will put it to good use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we are committed to being good stewards of, of, our donors' contributions. That is very important to us. So, so I promise, yes, it will be put, put to good use. Mom, maybe um, as we are leading into Giving Tuesday, could you speak to just a few more of the ways that we'll, we'll be putting that money and future contributions to good use? So we were very excited. I, I know all of you have been following us as we have transitioned to the East Coast. And, and it's been a challenge in the midst of COVID to try and find those unique partnerships. Uh, but we're really happy and excited about a new partnership with uh, Making Welcome Sewing, um, a sewing program for refugee women here in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. Um, they're already working on one project for us, and we expect for them to uh, to be. We've already got plans for some of our designs, right, um, for skirts and pants and things moving forward. Um, and surprisingly, we were able to reconnect with an organization in Houston um, who's going to be working with us on our clergy robes for refugee women who work for them are going to be able to possibly work on that project. It's just beginning. We're, we're, we're getting some of the patterns worked out, et cetera. But our hope is that this is going to be something that we'll be able to continue in the Houston area. Um, and as I mentioned today, just or tonight on this podcast, um, <clears throat> the Sewing Hope in Uganda and the projects that we have going on with them, um, we're expecting some new uh, designs and shipments from um, Masters Handicraft from Kyrgyzstan. These are all opportunities to be invested, but let's not be neglectful of the fact that we have people arriving in the United States today in deep crisis. We have people from Afghanistan arriving in all of our major cities. One of the things that we are doing now at, um, at the off-ramp is trying to secure housing um, in the Charlotte metro area for Afghan refugees who are arriving here. I'm just going to put a plug out here right now. If you're in that Charlotte metro area and you have an apartment or a house, or if you're connected to a church that has some sort of housing ability, we're looking for places where Afghan refugees who are arriving here can have a temporary placement. But we're not stopping there. We're saying, okay, we know you need permanent housing. We know you need some things to, um, to help get your kids enrolled in school, et cetera. And so we're working with various agencies in the area to, to help that move along. Um, so we are very engaged, not only around the world, um, but also um, here in our area. And can I, can I just bring up one surprising uh, success story, if you will? Uh, some of you may remember hearing about Vero. She was one of our very first people to engage with. And she was developing a business where she wanted to weave. So we helped her with some of her education. We helped her buy a loom. 
but COVID hit. And she was immediately relegated to having to go back to some of the vegetable fields and harvesting and planting, et cetera, so she could make a living. But just recently, we got word that she made it back to Chiapas and she's back at her loom and has some amazing creations. I'm so excited to think about what that might mean for her future and for our future partnership. COVID has brought some bumps for sure, but we are plunging ahead. And Alea, I have to say, um, not only are you an inspiration, but you are an integral part of, of helping us move forward in that way. And we're so deeply grateful um, to your entrepreneurial spirit, but an entrepreneurial spirit that says, I want to make a difference in this world. Thanks for listening to the Off Ramps podcast. If you were inspired to act during this conversation, you can find us and learn more at theofframp.org or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Helplessness and hopelessness do not have to define your future or the world's. Become a change maker today.